Hello and welcome along to today's Destination Tokyo and with Mental Health Awareness Week upon us some fascinating and some shocking words from Dame Kelly Holmes one of Britain's greatest ever Olympians. So thank you for being here. It's Mark Shardlow with the 10 Minute Daily Podcast. Today's interview actually comes from the Her Spirit podcast, which I work on. It's a fantastic series aimed at women's health and well-being, but it's just a great listen presented by Louise Minchin and Annie Emerson. Well, this is the discussion with Kelly Holmes, who so memorably won the 800 and 1500 metres at the Athens Olympics, including that famous moment in the 800 metres, which was just about a photo finish and she could not believe she'd won the gold medal. And uh, those medals, of course, added to the bronze she won four years earlier in Sydney. What no one knew at the time was what she'd been through just getting there. The mental health issues, the self-harming and some grim days. Well, Kelly has and is doing her bit to make mental health easy to talk about. And here she is talking herself about some of the hardest times just 12 months before that double gold in Athens in 2004. I had my first massive breakdown in 2003 when I was at the height of my career and you have to remember I'd been in the military for nearly 10 years I'd been an international athlete for 11 years that time I'm a strong lady I'm positive motivated I you know I'll do everything to reach my full potential however being a human being there's only so much you can take of highs and lows and when in sport when extremes are high something happens to your head, you know, you kind of like, hey, you know, this is like amazing. You just never get that feeling in a lot of situations. But equally, the lows can be so dramatic because of that. And when I, again, got another niggle, I was 33, I just couldn't cope. Something just broke in me. And I was in a training camp in France and um, I lost it. I literally lost it. I looked in the mirror, hated everything like literally everything about myself my body how I looked who I was what I did and I saw some scissors started to at that stage become self-harmer you know cutting yourself in places when you've only got a crop top and shorts there's not many places you cut yourself but I started doing that and I literally wanted the hole I wanted a hole to open up I wanted to jump in and I did not want to see the next day but at the same time you know, I had a dream. I was getting ready for a world championships. <laughs> I'm in a training camp for a world championships. And I had an Olympic dream and that was the following year. And so at depths of despair, I also won a silver medal at those world championships. And no one knew. I didn't have anyone to talk to. I didn't know how to talk to people. I didn't know about depression, breakdown, nothing. You know, so yeah. I went through that. And then I, I think that if anyone's ever had like a really bad a really bad knockback. I don't think it ever goes because I think there has to be some chemical imbalance in your brain that's suddenly like, you know, kind of felt, you feel more susceptible for feeling down and low. And so over the years, you know, I've been retired, what, 16 years now, I've had ups and downs, I've had other moments, I have self-harm, I've done things. But when my mum passed away in 2017, was that was the worst day of my life. Nothing else that I've done myself. And... Um, I self, that was the last time also that I self-harmed. It was 2017 because I realised it wasn't going to bring her back and it wasn't helping me. So I had to then decide on what do I do to help myself. Some distressing stuff there. So what did Kelly do and how would she help others? One thing I remember, and now I'm a mental health first aider as well and a mental health kind of speaker, 
One of the things that I probably, I don't really live with regrets, but one of the things I would have hoped to have been able to do different or if time had come again, was to talk to somebody when it was all happening, you know, because the two main ways of supporting your mental health is to communicate, to talk to people, to get that help and to start to, you know, get some of that off your chest and get people to kind of get you out of that phase and also fitness. And so because I hadn't told anybody and, you know, all my family and friends read it in my autobiography in 2005, you know, not the great, and in the, you know, the kind of quick newsflash front page about it and then no one cared about it after that because no one used to talk about it. I just vowed to my friends that if ever I was in that state again, I would make sure that I would talk to them because they were so upset because not not disappointed with me, but upset that they couldn't have been there for me. So I promised that if I ever, and obviously when my mum passed away, I was like literally broken. Three weeks, I didn't go out of the house. I'm, you know, such a mess. And they came round, you know, in when you've got people close to you, they can make you laugh even though you're so sad, you know. They can do things with you even though you're so sad. And I use that now as a way of, you know, I just tell people, I'm so honest on my social media because I know other people are going through it. And I believe if you can, one, be someone in public eye, but secondly, just be anybody that can be willing to talk, you know there's somebody else that will resonate with a part of that feeling. And if they, and you see somebody else going through it, it actually makes you feel that you're not alone. <laughs> Of course, there was an incredible end to that 12 months with gold medals at the Olympics in Athens. It took me a long time to compute like what I'd actually done because, you know, when you've been through those journeys and then you come out to that extent, like I literally didn't believe I'd done it. You know, three months after, I remember being in my mum's back garden because I'd rented out my place thinking I was just going to go back to South Africa training after a normal kind of championship where I'd been fighting because of an injury or something. In my head would be, oh, same routine. You know, now I'm, you know, back, the world's gone mad and the uh, UK's gone mad about what I'd done. And, you know, I'm pinching myself and I was pinching my mum and she was pinching me and I said, have I done it? She went, you've done it. I was like, I couldn't believe it. But I think what it was is that, you know, what happened was after, you know, winning that silver medal at the world champs, being like at the bottom of the bottom, I realised I'd never, ever go so low again. You know, I couldn't go any lower, yet I'm still achieving. You know, you stand on a rostrum two weeks into a breakdown self-harm and you stand at the top of the world. I knew I couldn't ever go any lower. So the key for me was I can't let this body get injured. You know, at that stage, I'd won 10 international medals, but I'd had seven years out of the 11 at that time with injuries. So I knew I could always do it. The question was, can my body keep me in one shape? So I hadn't told anyone about the mental side of it, but what I'd said to my physio, Alison Rose, training partner who gave up his career that year to help me, a guy, Anthony Whiteman, you know, and the nutritionist and everybody, I said, you know what, I know I can do this. You know, I know I can do it, but I have to keep injury free. So what happened was, is over that period of time, by not being injured and having those support, you know, almost like, you know, a selfish to them, I said, you have to live my dream because it's the only way we're going to do it. And if I do that, you get something off of it. You're the best physio in the world. You know, you're the best trainer in the world and you start to then evolve all those things. But I just felt like coming into that period of time, I hadn't been injured, so... All the confidence I'd ever had before was just so high because I wasn't doubting my body, you know, I was just staying strong. So then, you know, I kind of learned that over the years, tactically, I was a really good racer. 
But if I could get those tactics really right, then I could be even better. So the confidence of the training that I had led me to race like that. So, you know, I was running even pace running at a really hard level in training. I was running faster in training than the race times, you know, so I knew that it was in my capability. So when I decided for the 800, I'm going to run even splits, you know, that was nerve-wracking I have to say because you know for an 800 meter runner they're generally like 25 26 sometimes the first 200 and then you know you then all start to group up and I thought well if I do 28s 29s and stick to that I'll get like 156 and that's what normally wins roughly wins a 800 meter race and that's all I did but that first I'm telling you when you're that far back <laughs> you can change and I just thought no stick with it stick with it stick with it and it worked and because it worked for the heats and the semi-final I stuck to it to the final won the 800 and then carried on obviously for the 1500 but I have to say very quickly I do believe in fate and I feel like I used to think that that was my destiny I actually probably feel like it was more my journey to do what I do now so I can now talk very openly about both sides of everything motivate inspire people through that hell journey through the success and now I believe I'm doing my destiny as opposed to what I thought was before and when Dame Kelly looks back would she do it again whatever you do do in life if you're good if you enjoy it you're probably quite good at it because that's why you enjoy it in the first place and then to strive to be better, that's all about commitment and dedication in anybody's field. You know, so trying to reach the, f- the highest level in sport is obviously slightly different because you're doing it both physically and mentally, you know, um, and you're pushing to that nth degree. Like everything about you is just push, 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 push. And obviously you can step over that line and do what I did to have injuries and breakdowns. But <laughs> essentially, though... Would I do it again if it was around? And if I was going to win two gold medals, I'd go for it all again. Yeah. That's Dame Kelly Holmes. And if you want to hear all of that interview, it's the Her Spirit podcast. And if you look through the back catalogue, you'll find it there. I can also highly recommend the new episode, which is coming out next Tuesday. It's all about sleep and how to deal with a lack of it, waking in the early hours on all manner of sleep issues. But for Destination Tokyo, that's it for now. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for the donations that have been coming in for the Maggie's Cancer Centres. I'll give some name checks and details next week. But I really appreciate the kind gestures being made on the anniversary of my wife's cancer journey. So, until next time, thanks for listening and bye-bye. <laughs>